0: Wow, don't you love that guitar work? Welcome back to the
1: stage, Tom Gaffey, Jim. My goodness, is it appropriate to welcome him back to his stage? No, you welcome
0: to you, Jim. <laughs> welcome to Jim
1: again. I, I like that.
2: Um, I think welcome to Jim is really important. welcome to everybody. Uh, Tom and I are, are, are here. We're, we're very excited. We have two friends, two very old friends two with Josh's. us this evening. In mm-hmm. fact, two people who very much were the influence and the inspiration for what we're doing right now and what we try to do on a weekly That's basis. True. So oh, we we have we have we have. Josh Staples, hello. And we have Josh Drake Hello Here's the thing Your guys' biographies are both like super extensive In terms of your creative works And I find that very, very admirable And I think anybody who aspires to do creative things Should be impressed by your guys' things So I'm just going to list off What I know of your guys' resumes Just so the people out there know Oh, And we can goodness. go back from there <laughs> so, I, I like this So, Josh Staples Of sure. course, he is a current member of the New Trust A current member of the Velvet Team Yes and yes He was in Conspiracy mm-hmm. uh, His first band was The Morticians True He's also a in my opinion, a great poster artist. Josh and, and, and Keep it coming, and there's, Jim. There's plenty more, but um, <laughs> thank you. And then Josh Drake, of course, he's been in a number of bands. X and OB was one of them. I think he. Yes. I think to this day, you're probably most well known for your work in Santiago. I think uh, on the younger generation. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. But I mean, you you were in uh, Shitzu as well.
1: Yes. yes. We thought that was a very funny name. Uh, it, it was it's like the dog but spelled uh shit z o o.
2: And uh of course Pandaside Records that was your baby, would you say? Well, or but you did a lot of work with Pandaside he, yes,
1: Records. Yes, it was a uh, 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 Chris Ryder originally. Oh, Chris Ryder. Yeah. He, he it was it was his idea. I mean, I kind of wanted to do a record label cuz you know, I was into uh, super chunk. And uh, found out about Merge Records, which is the record label that uh, Mac and Laura from Super Chunk had started. And, uh, you know, they, they did it all themselves. And it was, like, the first label that I uh, knew about that would just sign a whole bunch of, like, their friends' bands and bands that just thought were cool. And they didn't have, like, a distinct, like, it wasn't like Epitaph Records where everything kind of sounds like an Epitaph band or whatever. So it kind of opened my mind up to possibilities that a record label could just be people that you could trust to have good taste in music and buy records for that reason, not necessarily that you were going to get a, a band of a particular sound. And um, Chris wanted to be more involved in the local music scene, but he wasn't a musician, and I knew a whole lot of people in bands. So I'd been playing uh, locally True. a whole lot. And so this was kind of a project that I I don't know who had the original idea, but it, it was hatched you know together, and so we were partners on that. And then when Chris moved to Australia, he you know gave the label to me, and I d- didn't do anything with it. And it's just been like sitting in the basement. But the
2: kind of... But it's still your baby. It's just you don't feed it and it lives in the basement. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah. slowly dying. Well, 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 I
1: mean, I mean, it's, it's finally to into a horror movie. The, the, <laughs> the, county, the county of Sonoma did finally put the nail in the coffin when they started sending me uh, bills for just having product in the basement. So I was going to be paying tax every year on just like having property that was potentially sellable even though it wasn't selling. Because we got into the record label like at the exact worst time to do it because it was right at the start of... MySpace being a really good way to market your bands on your own, and and bands were able to more directly connect with their listeners to sell stuff on their own. You know, it wasn't difficult to get a credit card accepting account anymore. Things like Bandcamp started coming up, so there was really nothing that a small record label could do locally. Uh, except, like, take half of your profits. Yeah. <laughs> so That's true. Um, Which I'm sure you had a, a serious issue with. Well, yeah. I mean, so what I uh, we've been trying to do uh, is just take, like, you know, the some of the money that was in the Pandaside Bank account and just do loans. Like, you, you know, you don't have to pay interest on it. Like, we still want to be, we want to help you make records. We want to be uh, involved with local music, but we don't want to cripple you by taking, like, the little bit of money that, you know, could be helpful to you because, you know, a, a band, you know, $100 off of, you know, a whole bunch of sales of records, is some important money to a regular? But it's not really. It's not it's worth
0: like four shows in Sonoma County.
1: Yeah, it's not worth taking that away from them because it's not. It's not gonna make this a profitable business that could ever pay us salaries. So why why do that? So if we. I've I've helped to brand it. uh Pandaside Creative Lending rather than Pandaside (laughs) That that, that was totally your idea, yeah. (laughs) Since it stopped uh, taking profits. The new trust, you know. Sure. uh, Pandaside Creative Lending was able to help out uh, the new trust. Yeah,
3: you you funded Get
2: Vulnerable as as well as the first Oddbird record and some other great records have come out since then. So there you go. And so Josh Drake is involved in, in, in bands, in Panicide Records, as well as a promoter of some punk slam wrestling. I mean, I know I you probably s- don't have that as uh, one of the things
1: in the top five of things you've done. But, but what I'm saying oh, is... It's one he's, of my favorites. Oh, but, but, of games, but it so. is. Oh, yeah, you do? Cool. Yeah. In I mean, a way, he
3: refereed the wrestling as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up a wrestling fan and I remember being in, in grade school even and imagining like... You know, like I'd become a professional wrestler and I would come back to my school, you know, where I had, you know, and I assumed all my teachers would still be there and they'd be like really impressed with it. Uh, there's no way that would, would ever
2: Would you grab anybody by the ankle
1: <laughs> and, and slap them on then the And You head. learn what a
2: stigma <laughs> professional wrestling has. Yeah, yeah, They would yeah. probably put their nose up to you if that happened. Yeah,
1: but I imagine you know, like, like, <laughs> like coming back and having a big show and it being this really cool thing. And like I always wanted to be a wrestler. And then uh, th- there was a time where like, I, like, I was trying to get in shape. I was like lifting weights. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to SPW you know, training camp in, in Sacramento and learn how to be a wrestler. And uh, uh, when I was still feeling that urge and seeing that as something that might be possible, I uh, started bringing uh, the wrestlers from Sacramento to Petaluma to do shows. And it really is a dream come true to have been in the ring at all. Being in the ring as an announcer, and then being in the ring as part of a match as a referee, because I mean, a referee is an important part of a match. Oh yeah, so you get slammed around as well. Yeah, you you, bet- you potentially can. They didn't <laughs> slam me around, uh, but it
2: uh well, yeah, I, it, it's totally when, when it, you and I bring it back in 2015, we will have the referee get beat up, and you can be the referee. That'll oh, be, it'll very be incredible. Exciting. Yeah, yeah.
0: 2015. <laughs> Well,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. We need a little while to you, you know, to know break you bake know. the you idea. Need to, you need to break news on the show sometimes.
0: Yes. You know? So we
3: just did that right here. And there's really not a whole lot of like full-size wrestling rings ready to go in Petaluma, yeah. except it at Josh's place. You still own your wrestling ring,
1: yeah. And oh. what's really funny is that this thing weighs many thousands of pounds because yes. like, it was built in <laughs> in house, so it wasn't. You know, like made with like cheap materials. like, like you know the fastest way uh, that that you could to sell it for for profit. Like this was you know a hardy built Solid ring with steel, like steel, yeah. yeah. and and we, we st- are storing it currently on the highest rack oh. in the warehouse. Like it's <laughs> the worst idea ever. It's it's just it's all strapped together. It's on top of a pallet rack. Like if there's ever a large enough earthquake, it's gonna murder Doesn't people everywhere. Like,
0: yeah, a bunch of two by tens is part of its base.
2: Let, okay, let's backtrack a little bit because we're going crazy. Okay, so. <laughs> One one final statement on the introduction, which is so guys, we're still
1: in the intro. We yeah, this is, we're still having wow. the credits. The credits would
0: still be rolling right now. I mean, I think <laughs> it's Lini no, but style. you know what?
2: I, I think it's good for people to be able to chime in and describe who it is they are. You don't yeah. want me telling people who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> but you both you both are highly creative individuals, and I admire you guys a lot. And I, I'm really happy you guys are with us tonight. Thanks, so thank you, you, thank yeah. you, thank you guys for having us. Um, um, are, are they with us? They are with us. Tom, uh-huh. right? <laughs> this to is you. not a dream. The yeah. magic of You radio. are not hallucinating. Okay. And then to to the Point about the Punk Slam Pro Wrestling, Mm -hmm. um, we didn't properly contextualize this, but that was a a promotion that uh, Josh Drake would do here in the Phoenix, and he would have wrestlers here, and he have fans here, and sometimes bands would play, and it was this big thing. And to that
0: point, well, also, well, well, let's not call it a big, thing well, because it was a never, big,
2: it was a big production. Did yes. you guys
0: have, you know, my name open up one of those things?
2: Well, hold on, hold me. on, hold on. <laughs> let me, let me finish. So we, we can branch out in a moment, but basically <laughs> both, both, both you guys have an incredible amount of history with the building. Yes. Um, going back to your childhoods, right? Yeah. Oh, t- teens. Yeah. yeah. So introduction over. Good Okay. <laughs> so, Is John, there music you play after the introduction? No I just you know We're okay. just so people don't get too confused Anyway I mean as far as you guys Growing up in the building Tom always has told me a story about you Josh Staples uh, Playing a piano behind the movie screen When you were growing up When you were 14 or 15 years old uh,
3: No earlier than that I think about 7th grade for him yeah. I was in 7th grade And I was in school early So I was probably closer to 11 and 12 Yeah in those days, but um, and this
2: was a movie theater back in those days. It was, this an, was not it was exclusively a movie exclusive theater. Exclusively a movie theater days. didn't have any graffiti on the walls. Had oh. seats down no, on the it had on the floor, covering the walls. Yeah. It had where we sit now
3: was the screen, yeah. essentially, uh, or just yeah, pretty close, really, really close. Yeah. And uh, this stage wasn't used for really anything except uh, just M- movies, movies. And and there was all seats from uh, like five feet all the way.
2: It back. had
0: a great look as, as a movie theater. It did. It had a great look. This is a beautiful theater. And yeah.
2: was this the only game in town to see a movie, or was there uh, another theater? No, and
0: that was the problem. There was also the Washington Square, and uh, there was the Washington Square Cinema on the east side of town. And we knew that Pacific Theaters was going to come through with an eight screen, uh, all, as well. So uh, in, in the early eighties, we knew the days were numbered for the Phoenix Theater as a movie theater. But that Uh, took a long time to get here. It
1: did. It took a long time. But the worst part of it was, uh, at least this is what's been told to me from people who were in the the movie theater business locally, is that 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 Pacific Cinemas uh, over by where uh, Michael's and Osh is now, they put that in there just to kill the local business. Because they they didn't do a stadium place, they did it just good enough to yes. take over the business in town because they always had the plan to put in their big stadium place in Roanoke Park. In Roanoke Park. And they yeah. knew that people from Petaluma would drive to Roanoke Park, but they had to get rid of the local uh, theater first. So, I mean, this could be conspiracy stuff, but Tom,
2: I'm going to go where on do you, where the where record. Do you weigh in
1: on this? Do you um, think that's the valid
0: claim? Yeah, that's what we expected, as a matter of fact. We, we knew, and actually, but the thing is that uh, Petaluma cut its own nose off and cut their nose off. They did want to expand to uh, first 12 screens and then all the way up to 16 screens. Uh, They had the space uh, over there, but for some reason, Petaluma kept holding them up, and they finally just got tired of it and left Petaluma altogether.
3: Well, I, I think that that Petaluma Theater, even though it was here for over ten years, it it's still proved to be temporary. Considering they just up and moved, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. soon as they could, absolutely. Gone. But yes. the, at that, at well, it days, served its purpose at that point. Yeah, there was other theaters closer. Even the Cotardie Oaks yeah. was here. Cotardio, so. Um There was, of course, the adult drive-in. There was the, the adult drive-in, <laughs> which, which which Mister yeah. Gaby has yeah. a history yeah. with. I would yeah. love oh, to hear oh, more about it. Who that. doesn't have a history? I mean, <laughs> uh, who, the, that I was not in business
1: when I got to be the viewing age for adult movies. This is an adult drive in Sonoma
2: oh, County, which is probably just totally uh, bonkers
1: my to people blowing. listening. Yeah, mind blowing. No?
2: and it was
3: uh, right as you exit town, right before you hit that hill, that right goes, at the county uh, line. Yeah, the county line. Mm. You
2: you would just crane oh. your neck nearly break your head off trying to see whatever flash of pornography you could catch I have a friend who was temporarily managing that establishment I won't name any names uh, okay, but you know he would work that, that. shift uh, <laughs> this is news to me this is great news very to me. temporarily and uh, you know just a friend I'm not naming any names but um, he, you know he would have to work at night and they made it very worth his while he didn't want to do it but they made it very worth his yeah, while yeah, and, right. and my favorite the story the pay was great the pay was great that's the, what, they, that's you what paid he told in pornography that's what he told you too huh? <laughs> yes he did yeah. <laughs> But anyway, my favorite story from that era is, uh, so it was, you know, you obviously in a f- uh, place like that operates at night. so It's uh, <laughs> a, a drive-in, of course. Pat- it's light out during pa- day. A patron came to complain to the manager, who, you know, just as a friend of mine. Many patrons, and uh, yeah. And you know, I went to the manager and said, oh, I just went in the bathroom and, uh, oh, God, you, there's some somebody's doing something there. And it's, oh, God, it's you got to do something about it. <laughs> it isn't and prudent. Then, and then my friend uh, turned to the guy and was like, Oh, yeah, you you don't want to go in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Just level with the guy. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, no, you shouldn't should. be in there.
2: Pee outside, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> exactly. So anyway, back to the point. You play the piano on stage at 11 or 12 behind I, the movie theater I feel screen. like
3: I worked my way up to playing the piano <laughs> backstage. When yeah. I first... Uh, I mean, my relationship with the theater came when I would come here with my folks and we would see double features for $2. Yeah. So we saw Flash Dance of 48 Hours for $2. <laughs> yeah. I saw a number of great double features at the Phoenix for $2. $2, Imagine yeah. that, $2. Yeah. That yeah. was your Friday night price, yeah. your Saturday night price. $1 on the weeknights. One dollar in the yeah, week. we went down Can you down believe down that? Yeah. And this is like, this is not 1940. This is 1980 something. Yeah. It was. It was 1982
0: 80, and 83. I got here in 83, I think.
3: Yeah, regular price movies yeah. were, you know, six bucks. He got yeah. here in 83
0: and now it's 2014, which yes. makes it 31, 31 years. years. Holy yeah. moly. This was going to be a one-year project. I absolutely had it set. I had an RV I was going to buy and I was going to do a cross-country trip and... Uh, I was only going to do this for one year. And I, then was I, was only, I was only a twinkle in my mother's eye. Attack. That's <laughs> right. We kept one, I, mean, I wasn't born yet yeah, when you came no. to the Phoenix. I was no. not born yet. No, but we were waiting for you. Yeah. yeah. Here we well,
3: the world is thankful you didn't yeah. get in that RV, Tom, and you no. stayed put.
2: I, I, well,
0: hey, yeah, but I still,
2: <laughs> still want to do the RV. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Drake, what was your earliest uh, interaction with the building?
1: Um, I mean, I remember being driven in my mom's Dodge Dart. She had a green, you know, Dodge Dart, and we would uh, drive by the building. And she would say, "Look at all that riffraff!" <laughs> and she just like was always like complaining about the kids, about uh, me. Yeah, yeah. About, uh, Josh. about, about Josh Staples Josh was
0: back <clears throat> backstage playing the piano at the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I, th- I think at one point, like, I, I mean, I did see some some movie posters in the window, and like there was like movies that I wanted to see or whatever. But I didn't, I didn't really know much about the building, and didn't really understand that it was a rock venue until. Uh, someone had told me that uh, Guar was going to be playing. Oh. And so that was my first actual interaction with the building, is that uh, uh, I heard that, that Guar would be playing, and I was a fan of, of Guar. So was that your
0: first show here for rock and roll, was Guar?
1: Yeah, it was. Well, it your was, mom was right. It was, it was neurosis, and, yeah. uh, neurosis and and, and
0: Guar. You would have what? never imagine the riff raff. <laughs> no, absolutely. It <laughs> was inside. So they brought Neurosis the first time. The second time, they brought the Melvins. The one thing about Guar is they always brought, and then they brought the Misfits, I think, or somebody like that. The, um, they brought who do they bring I, I saw them once i remember i went to see lou Rawls at the luther burbank center and then
3: arrived <laughs> at guar right after that in a suit Perfect. <laughs> and was covered in in pink by the time
0: you it was know done.
2: Oh,
1: blood yeah blood yeah bop just blood <laughs> well i was really disappointed because the second time i saw guar like they didn't do blood they were doing like toxic waste and it was green and it was told totally, it was like not yeah. nearly as cool
0: yeah, they were their first two shows. Uh, they would show up on this old beater bus, and uh, and they smelled like travelers. They, they were yeah. the worst smelling band, I think, in in the circuit. But they were the hardest working band out there. Those guys were filling blood and fixing costumes on the bus on the way here. They'd work all day at the show, and they would get right back on the on the bus and, and work their way back to the hotel. So,
2: so, someone listening who doesn't know Guar is Guar does like horrific looking things on stage, blood spraying everywhere. Well, they were well, like a performance
1: art sort of metal band, and they do a lot of uh, like foam rubber, like, prosthetic like, bodies, yeah. and and uh, like, like before, you know, Lord of the Rings made it cool. Like they were doing it, you know, just as art students. They
3: would pretty yeah. The, every every show they'd be slicing people in half, and there'd yeah. be blood everywhere. They'd be pulling people's faces off. They would be putting people in meat grinders. They were in full. They threw me in the meat grinder. Out of spe- yeah. <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> yeah,
0: really. Well, yeah, they threw me in the meat grinder. Were, you get, were yeah, either yeah, of you at that
3: show? I wasn't there for, for that show. I was Spewed at the was, my guts out of the audience. First time I saw <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. I was at the River Theater, and they put Jelbi off in the meat grinder. Yeah, which was great because <laughs> he was yeah he was like Jello telling the effort. kids that he that they were that they were. Like new school, they he been he was you know playing punk rock when they were in diapers, and yeah. they picked him up by his legs and put him in the meat grinder. Was <laughs> it against his will, yeah. or was he was he in on no, the? joke? No, he wasn't on the joke. I think everyone's in on the joke, yeah. 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 On the joke yeah. right, okay. Tom? You
0: you would know. You know, um, it, yeah, no, you yeah, we were. You, I, you, well, no, there was like no wrestling. Joke. You pre planned talking about. Yeah. You know what it took me to get all my body parts back? <laughs> 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 I that was no it. joke at all. It was no joke. The very first thing they did here was. Blew the head off a of nun, for crying <laughs> yeah. out yeah. loud. I watched him pull Ronald oh. Reagan's head off and George Bush's face yeah, off. Yeah. Oh
2: so anyway, God. you guys have an incredible amount of history here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, yes, I'm looking at your... Did we get to the piano part? So anyway... Well, he, he would play on stage as
3: a, yeah. as when a child. When yeah, come back well, yeah. and ask if
2: he could use, was, the, uh, I, use the piano.
3: It was a, it was a long... I feel, I feel like it was a long road. Maybe time when you're a kid goes slower. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I saw movies here. I'd walk down from Petaluma Junior High straight here and then eventually I started realizing that there were video games in here and I started knocking on the door and maybe the door was left open and I just kind of yeah, wandered exactly. in when someone was vacuuming once and I met you Tom wow. and I played some video games and I would go to bug my mom for quarters and come back and then eventually I started bugging Tom for quarters yeah. <laughs> and we he did make a lot of money very accommodating games. and he would always give me quarters to play these video games yeah. and um so that was my thing I just played video games and then my Mom, let me s- stay once for a movie, and then. Far off. That- oh, actually, I remember the. F- I remember the first time I, I came in, and this is, I this is a stick memory. Now that I got it. I was listening through the window. Someone was rocking "Rock Me Amadeus" by Falco really loud on the sound system. <laughs> we had blasting it. Yes, yes. And yes. I was like. I love the song. So I'm like, oh, someone's <laughs> rocking, rock me Amadeus.'" And I w- came in and I was brash enough to ask to borrow his tape. It was the old projectionist.
0: <laughs> oh, it was Eric? Yeah, 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 he was great. I was 11. He had a <clears throat> great ear for music.
3: And he'd let me borrow the tape. And I came back the next day and I gave it back. I That's amazing. It, I gave it yeah. back. And then I was here all the time. And then, you know, I never just left you alone for yeah, years. It was, <laughs> that was cool. It was, uh, was and then well eventually it. I was able to stay and... Well, I'd I'd watch the same movie three times in a row. Yeah, I figured once you pay here, you can watch it, yeah, all you want. (laughs) I wouldn't even pay, though. I somehow (laughs) snuck in under the radar. I've always got in here for free.
0: (laughs) You know, the first thing that I, when somebody comes to work for me, still, to this day, the first thing I tell them is, watch how I do this, and don't ever run a business like this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of a quote that I saw Josh put on something once that he was the king of the failed business model or something yeah, like
1: that. yeah that was a uh, <laughs> Craig Tierney actually gave me that title yeah I mean because he'd seen you know me do the label and do Punk Slam and uh, to see these, these other projects that like couldn't possibly be financially viable. but it's funny that you say don't run a business like me because when Chris and I wanted to start a record label, I was uh, given the advice to call Sarah Sanger. From who, who? Who I don't. Well, I mean, <laughs> she, she'd run a record label, yeah. you know, and and presumably would know. Oh. And Sarah Sanger is my wife. Yeah, uh, full Josh. disclosure. Yeah, so, 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 wife, yeah. <laughs> Josh, my girlfriend. Josh Stables' wife. Josh Stables and Sarah had a uh, a record label called Flying Harrow.
3: Another great business
1: model. Yeah, and and the first thing she yeah. said is, you know don't the first thing to know about you know doing a record label is don't do a record label, yeah. <laughs> do a record label. she was wise beyond her years at yes. 19 20 years old I yeah because I was mean because like. I think you guys had just gotten out of the record label business because well, maybe it was a little later yeah Ugh. You know, the happiest days
2: of a record label owner's life are the days he starts the record label and the days he
0: ends the record label. <laughs> Holds the record label. <laughs> yeah. If he gets out with a quarter in his pocket, he's yeah. feeling good. And yeah.
1: I've since given a lot of people that same advice. Like, I, it, it is a really bad idea to have a record label if you have any hope of making money. That's why you just don't have that hope, and it'll be, yeah, fine. yeah, right. so I mean I, I think I think we kind of believed that we could do, it. like we thought that, oh, we kind of stand a chance and and of course not at all, well, it was you know a ridiculous the, the ridiculous idea
3: is, is that it's it's a it's not a sustainable business model in any way, no, no. but it is an amazing art project mm-hmm. it's a waste of plastic, that's for sure, oh. it's a huge carbon footprint, yes, it's a nightmare in a lot of ways, it's a money losing escapade that will make you depressed and and stop playing music altogether, but it is an amazing art project that, that leaves behind if you're lucky, some great. And let's say it these days, vinyl records. If you can, if you can have done it, Mm -hmm. the CDs are a wash in this day and age. I'm afraid to say no, no one's impressed to have those. those. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, the vinyl is
0: coming back. I think, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is.
3: And it has. And it's, and it's, it's uh, who knows if that's sustainable, the way it's being run right now, but (sighs) the way that, I mean, the records that you had done, you, when you, in my opinion, when you do a vinyl record, you sneak your way into history because they've been making vinyl records since the beginning of recorded music. You're there alongside the Led Zeppelins, and you're there alongside and it's, it's Thomas a, Edison. It's a, yeah, Tom, aside <laughs> the Thomas Edisons, but it is also it is a huge money investment. So at least it is now more so than it was in the '90s. Oh, it's got to be. yeah. So it's like if you if you did invest the money to make a record. And you did take that risk, and you certainly probably didn't make your money back. Unless you are you are a successful musician, then you or label owner, which of which there are ten, mm-hmm. then even though you did lose money on it, you snuck yourself into history.
2: Well, that and you and you meet people and you have experiences. And I mean, somebody made a comment just now about how uh, you do that, and it's just a tremendous waste of money. It'll make you depressed. And at this table, you know, I think it's four people who have spent a lot of money uh, on projects that. probably would never have made any money, but they didn't matter because it was in the pursuit of of art and the pursuit of creativity and the pursuit of
0: doing and creating. And so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you can look at that as a waste, you know? No, you can't because... I don't think so, not at all. because everybody's still standing. I mean, we've been through some of the most incredible experiences. My God. I mean, like I say, you asked me last night, uh, I, I keep mentioning when I have to mention the top five moments down at the theater. One of them was standing in that exit over there I'm pointing room right, uh, stage right. <laughs> stage right. <laughs> and Conspiracy was on the stage playing It's a Conspiracy Against Me. And we had a sold-out night, I think, that night. And the floor was bouncing up and down. This <laughs> floor bounces when it's full. Wow. And everybody in the room knew the words. It was one of the highest moments of my life. and oh, just your to life. Shoot. It was uh, one of the highest moments, For you guys too. on the stage, <laughs> would have been incredible. And for me to watch you guys, who were all kids that I watched grow up, have this incredible moment, yeah. and watch everybody in the audience having the same incredible moment. Wow, and the fact that I got to live through that and still be here to remember it, phew, absolutely, there's no money in it, but boy, we're still
2: standing. I said earlier that I admire your guys's continued creative force because a lot of people get older you know they have a band when they're 18 19 20 or they're doing this or doing mm-hmm. that by the time they're 25 26 that's Quarters. all done no I mean truly <laughs> and, and you know life circumstance comes into play yeah. they have children or they have a start a family or whatever sure. and whatever whatever you guys continue to create and do and I find that highly highly admirable and, and Tom
1: Gappy too you continue to do and create right, none of us have kids right I mean I think it's because you know we're not Done making Sonoma County the place yeah. that we would want to grow up in right yeah, that right because it's it, it, i I get upset when people complain about their hometown because it just makes them want to move, but if you instead think of like you know what what, what don't you like about this place like what would make it cool? You probably could do it if you just wanted to do it. Like it was it was upsetting to me that like I grew up and there was no uh, and there was, you know, video games everywhere. Every seven eleven you went into, you could play games, you could come down to a movie theater and play games, and there was no place to play games in public. And so I realized I was complaining about that a lot, and so instead of just complaining, got some arcade machines and donated them to the Phoenix Brought that there would be games in, Phoenix, yeah. in, in, in the town. I, I wished so badly that I could see pro wrestling uh in, in Petaluma when I was growing up and there was like nowhere to do it. So that's what I was trying to do with with Punk Slam and then you know I would have really liked it if there was a, a local record label that put out my band's album and you know th- and then guess what there was. You <laughs> happen to be running it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I yeah, mean, it is. You yeah. know, at so the end of the day... you know, and, and That's that what goes, it takes. That what goes what for all of
2: us. I yeah. mean, you would love to see a cool venue in the middle. Mm-hmm. You would have loved to see a cool place in the middle of Petaluma doing... Producing artists, nurturing youth, yeah. great music, great experiences. And Tom Gaffey, you, you've like, done that. You're doing you it. Sometimes you have to just
1: be the person who does it. And I think that, you know, like, like maybe... You know, we're just not done, you know, working on Sonoma County. uh, Josh and I are both involved in a radio station Mm -hmm. that we hope will be, you know, a big component to kind of reviving the local music scene. Because if, you know, you have a a local radio station that is playing like local punk bands alongside like national punk bands and national just, you know, indie rock bands, like bigger bands. You're giving them all the rub and you're kind of elevating that music to a higher level and you're getting a wider listening audience than just the local scene of, you know, music going, uh, uh people who, who get flyers at shows for other shows. Like, like that, that's a very small market, but you know, we could, you know, potentially grow the market really, you know, a, a whole lot and kind of get, uh, uh music going again. And I know that it, I would have loved to tune into the radio and hear local bands and hear mm-hmm, punk bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, 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 things that, you know, as a teenager, I would definitely want in town are. are, are it's almost there, but not there yet. And so I think that, you know, that's a, maybe a big part of why yeah. I mean, know, we haven't stopped doing stuff.
3: There are magical things in any town, whether you are complaining about them or not. The things that I took for granted, I mean, as a youth in Petaluma, I grew up in Petaluma at Petaluma High, and, and uh, I grew up in this town, but I complained about this town like anybody yeah. else. We had the Phoenix Theater in this town. I was still complaining about this town. We had... Dodge City. We had the comic book box. Mm-hmm. These places that are oh, yeah, magical places that don't exist Magic, anymore. Yeah. Dodge City was a video game arcade at the oh, fairgrounds. Would have I placed. loved it so comic much. Book box was and still is a great comic book store. But it used to be right downtown in such mm-hmm. a great location. Yeah. There were so many killer things. Oh, one other thing I always forget to mention, and maybe I'm just t- asking you this, Tom, because I need it verified in my memory that it existed, was the Pet Stop. Oh, the pet which is a store
1: right oh, would the monkey? The yeah. Tell
2: us all about it. I don't know anything about the pet the stop. The pet stop, I've, Downtown I've tried Petaluma. to look it up
3: online and have found nothing. Not a picture, not a memory, oh. not a testimony. you talking about the one on 4th Street? Yeah, on yeah, 4th yeah, Street. on Ken- yeah, no, Kentucky. Yeah, on 4th Street. Kentucky slash 4th Street. Yeah, Kentucky There was a store yes. right on the corner. Now, oh, where? What, what, what is there? Oh, did it, did it eventually get moved into Brick. Landmark?
0: It was, yeah, yeah it, wasn't. yeah. it was in the it Landmark building. So check this out. When I was five years old, my dad and I were down here in front of the pet store, which was right there. Still, still a pet store. Uh, back when I was in a little kid, okay, and I was five years old, and Bill Sobranis came down, came along the sidewalk, and my dad introduced me. Journalist extraordinaire, uh, Bill Sabranus. Uh, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Do you guys know Bill Sabranus? I've oh, never sure. met him. Wrist wrestling? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've well, heard, I know who you've heard he, he He was, was a documenter of hey, people,
2: and would you say maybe the most well known journalist in pedal? Yeah, living? he
0: was. He he wrote for the Argus Courier his entire life, and he and he had uh, my world of people or something like it, was the name of his of his article, and he never missed a day. Yeah, he, uh, and. Uh, So I was standing in front of this pet store, and Bill Sobranis comes walking along. My dad says, oh, hey, Tommy, you got to meet Bill Sobranis. And Bill Sobranis meets me, shakes my hand. The very next day, I was in Bill Sobranis' column. Uh, He said, I met Tommy Gaffey downtown for his first day downtown. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. Standing in front of the pet store. (laughs) And and it was in front of that pet store, which was right there with the puppies in the window, the whole thing. And
2: they had a monkey?
3: They had
0: a monkey. Yeah, yeah, I'm the
3: grumpiest. This, they had this meanest. monkey that was so mad and so pissed to be there, and it was Could there his whole him? miserable, shit. He was, he was mangy life.
2: and patchy. Yeah. yeah. Did I mean, all was, of you meet this monkey? Oh yeah, I met
3: the monkey. He was yeah. a nightmare. But <laughs> Far I met, when, uh, when I first met the monkey, the whole yeah, time. Yeah, he was screaming. You'd walk in the door, and howler like monkey? A, no, I don't. Know. You know, he, he has a lot little, to howl about. A little sinewy, like you know, foot tall spider monkey that was just furious the whole time he was there. Every day for I don't know how many years, Ugh. but you'd walk down this narrow hallway of pets, and you know you get down to the lizards and the fish, and all the way down to the end of this place, and then there was a magic shop, and there was a, a costume hollow, shop, Halloween yeah, right. and costume Halloween masks, like rows and rows and rows yeah. of these amazing latex Halloween masks that was mind blowing. This place, yeah, I used Petaluma. to dream about this right things. downtown Petaluma. Yeah. yeah, there is no way to make. Something like the Pet Stop exist without the struggle of however many people own that place and would sell a lizard a day. Yeah, and yeah, it was a their misery Halloween that are giving mask. us these great memories. They were aging quickly too at that place. They were losing money. They were <laughs> struggling. There must have been four or five people there. I remember all the same people every day. It was probably the most magical place of my childhood. Yeah, was the Pet
0: Stop wonderful? Place. And yeah, good people it, too.
3: When it went out of business, I was it was a nightmare. I was like, I can't believe this place is going out of business. But it was probably the happiest day of their lives yeah. since they started to open the Pet Shop. <laughs> right. Well, like a record label owner exactly, you know Exactly exactly <laughs> There's no way to to make something amazing without busting your ass and making it work and mm. making it the place for people like making it a destination for for people what to go a guy.
0: Well, it's really weird. While we were talking about the Pet Stop, Josh's dog, Murray, came to join us at the table. Yeah. You know, I
2: don't know. I, I think that you you put your heart and soul into things like that, whether they're business ventures that are cool, like a pet shop that has a monkey, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> creative endeavors like bands that you all three of you have been in. I don't know. I just think, for, in my experience, those things are what make life... Worth doing, you know. I mean, Absolutely, it, it's just yeah. yeah when it, it, there's been periods of my life where I don't have a lot of creativity going on, and those are really bummer periods. And then there's periods of my life where I've got a lot going on, and I feel good about things. I'm excited yeah. about it. it I mean, in my, in my mind, the life well lived is. There's too much in, on my plate right now to tell you everything that's going on in my life. You know what I mean? And for sure. you guys, that kind of is the case. You know, Josh, you're sometimes going around playing. You know, guitar with some band on tour that you're not with, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't you just do that with um some band like a year or two ago?
3: I played bass for the Jealous Sound. Oh, the Jealous Sound, yeah. yeah, from Los Angeles. Oh, you know, and, and who was who mean, a
2: band I loved from, yeah. you know, since since they started. You know, and, and and Josh Drake. You know, you you have the down at where you work, Matrix. You've got basically your own live in arcade down there. In addition to, uh, I mean, you just you have all sorts of projects. He's and I definitely living
0: that. is bliss, is arcade bliss down there. Yes, yeah. true.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't
1: yet fulfilled all the dreams
2: I had as a kid. Yeah, and you've got and you guys have the radio show together, and you know mm-hmm. it's, it's life well lived, even mm-hmm. if it does cost money. Because what else are you uh, going to spend the money on? You know what I mean? I mean, w- what is money except
1: for spending?
3: Yeah, it's 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 not for everybody. No, but it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, I think it's it's very rewarding for me to. Uh, I mean, I have a relationship with radio that I feel like I owe radio something personally because as a kid. I mean, living out where I lived out, like kind of by the dump out there, by Roblar Road, that kind of area. There wasn't, I mean, I could get like two channels on the TV and I would be in my room as a sullen teenager and I'd turn on the radio and I'd get, you know, KPFA. And I owe a lot of what I consider to be my favorite music to what they would play on that radio. I'd hear, I heard John Zorn there for the first time. I heard a lot of Middle Eastern music for the first time. I heard all this amazing music for the first time. I heard all all maximum rock and roll, all the punk rock I heard was from listening to KPFA. And I, I feel like because I was an incidental listener, because I was looking for something and not finding it on television or on the radio, I'd be listening to with my mom in the car. But I do owe a lot to radio. And I feel that as someone who can make cool shows now, um, I've, Josh and I have been trying to make great shows for since like
1: two thousand eight now. Trying,
3: and <laughs> doing a bang up job as well, yeah. but it's still, still <laughs> yes,
1: trying. Yeah, yeah that's always been the, that's career. always been the intention. You is, now, just actually to make here, we, great shows,
0: and I think we should mention you guys are on K W T F now. K W T F, yeah. You made the move from yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Yeah, and it. Uh, I mean, we we really enjoyed being care and the resources there were incredible and they taught us yeah. how to do radio it was a great studio, yeah, a beautiful yeah, studio. It's, yeah it still is yeah but i think that like we thought that you know kwtf was a, a startup radio project and it had you know at the helm a lot of people that we had a lot of respect yeah. for and a lot of people who um have you've done other projects with actually i think haven't you I hadn't really worked with anyone like I kind of knew Ben Sari yeah right I didn't really I mean yeah. you, you have a, probably I, a I, lot I, more we history grew, I grew up with Ben Sari yeah, but absolutely. we never really
3: yeah. I mean with the exception of our bands playing together occasionally. yeah you must have shared We never. yeah well we never know. collaborated on anything and so ne- when I knew that Ben was starting up a radio station with Des
1: and, and all the other people involved I figured yeah. That is probably where we should be. Yes. Yeah. You know, if we moved the show there, I mean, we were heading out of KRCB anyway, but we just, you know, and, and thinking I'm not doing the show anymore, but being able to lend our energy, lend a little bit of audience, you know, at a time where like, it was a very crucial time for them because they had about nine months to get on the air or die Right at that point. Yeah. And so and hopefully we were able to bring in like a little bit of, you know, they Yeah, they need a, minimally eight yeah. hours a
3: day of we'll original just... programming. So we decided we could, at the least yeah. we could do is... Do a couple hours a day, and we Absolutely. did that for a while.
2: That's an important thing. So KWTF is still building; they're still fundraising; they're still they still have a goal. And what, what what is their goal? What what is like the end game with KWTF?
1: Well, right now uh, KWTF is broadcasting terrestrially. Like they, we have a antenna out in Bodega, and it's in a tree. And the reason why it's in a tree is because like our original location, which was going to be on a hill, kind of out by Coleman Valley Road, which would have had line of sight to there. Uh, city of license and line of sight to Santa Rosa, which is kind of really where we want to be because it's the college there and like it's the you know most densely populated area of Sonoma County. Um, that person backed out like at the very last minute. And so like, we got stuck, like having to like, you know, go to our plan Z, which is putting an antenna out <laughs> of a, a tree, go and find a tree uh, and yeah. A yeah, take yeah. <laughs> just to get legal. But like, we had a big fundraising drive. We got the antenna, we got broadcasting, but unfortunately like, no one can hear us right now unless like you're actually in the town of Bodega. So the goal right now is to get us moved to uh, a better location, a better transmitter site somewhere out on Coleman Valley road, uh, that area. Um, because then we can be on the air in people's cars in Santa Rosa. And because, I mean, for all of us who were in the project, we had this big push. We like, worked really hard. We achieved our goal. We got the antenna. We got to do up in a, you know, we're broadcasting. We're like, we're totally legal. We're an actual FCC, you know, radio station. But we don't have any listeners. And so it was kind of like a little bit of a letdown. Like we did all this work and like we did achieve the goal, but it really didn't do what we wanted it to do, which There's was no payoff. Yeah. So, uh, but, but, You know, everyone's, you know, uh,
0: uh, kind of... Payoff is still coming, but at this point, I'd like to mention or suggest everybody who is listening, get in your cars and drive out to Bodega. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful drive. It's a beautiful drive. And what station would they turn on if they make it out to It's
1: 88.1
3: FM. 88.1 FM. Out in Bodega. If if you don't want to make the trip to Bodega... you can go to kwtf.net yeah. and you can listen there from anywhere in the yeah. world because we have
1: been we've been broadcasting you know for a year and we've been having you know uh, 8 hours of new content a day and it repeats twice yeah. there's also a lot of like, syndicated programming uh, uh f- free speech radio news
3: full circle yeah. maximum rock and roll is on kwtf <laughs> yeah wow. so, so there's right. what and
2: what is that wow.
3: maximum rock and roll is the barea uh, uh punk rock show it is the only uh Bay Area oh, actual man. punk rock show has been around since the 80s. Well, Maximum Rock and Roll was a zine, right? Is it Maximum that, is Rock and, and Roll was? was a zine. It might still be a zine. You
1: know what? It was... Like the the punkest of the punk
0: it, zines. It, it was yeah. the punkest of the yeah. punk, but it also was was one of the most together zines, actually. In the early days of zines, they really had... They were definitely the most they stable. Very yeah. consistent. Yeah. It was, I wish I remember the gentleman's name who started
3: it. But it was nationally yeah. distributed. It was the go-to punk rock music magazine, and it... Still, kind of is if you're looking for a punk rock music magazine. There
0: isn't another one. No, we and here at the Phoenix, uh, I used it uh, to find bands quite a bit and until I out, met Steve. For kind yeah, they of
3: put a out "Book it, Your uh, Own Fucking Life," which was a famous thing. Band resource. It was Max and Rock and Rolls. It was the only "Book Your Own Fucking Life." Which resource really. A big really. zine filled with places you could stay, and this is not just California, but all over the world, wow. like places in and this Poland. And before the internet, obviously. You know, the internet, yeah. Which is
0: a great segue to something. Every time, in the last 20 years, some young band would come to me and say, you know what, we want to figure out how to go on tour. Uh, how do we find clubs uh, across the United States? And I would always tell them, find Josh Staples. And I would always tell them... <laughs> get a copy of book your own fucking life i can't, you, I don't
3: know what i'm doing what are you talking yeah.
2: about <laughs> <laughs> and, life and, is just a series of directing people who come to you to other people yes, because you don't want to deal no, with it no, well, I, don't,
0: I couldn't get them across country i did know one thing from the stories that i'd hear you never want to be driving through nebraska in the middle of the winter or in july other no, than that. Ne- neither. Yeah. Neither. Yeah.
2: Okay, this is an often-told Tom thing. Who, where does that oh, come okay. from, the Nebraska
0: that joke you just made? Well, no, I, I had a bad experience. Oh, you personally? I, 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 got, the, stuck oh, in, I got stuck right? in Nebraska in the middle of winter one time, but I've heard uh, several bands that have come through here. Their van breaks down in Nebraska on a 110-degree day, and that's usually the end of the band. Um, <laughs> the band yeah. does make it off the road, but not together, and they don't play together after that. Well, my yeah,
3: my first band's... <laughs> Uh, the conspiracy was the only one that traveled, and we never made it past Colorado. We there was there's an expansion. It's like it's like a, I don't know. It's like the stand or something. You don't want to. There's there's nothing between at least back in these days, like 1993, 94, 95. There was nothing between Denver and let's say St. Louis, or you know there was nothing Probably to do. True. You could do Omaha, but. Who this is before anyone knew anything about Omaha? <laughs> Omaha before was Omaha was the Omaha coolest was place. place in, yeah, in before York. it was. The, now everybody the wants place to yeah. play yeah. but it's uh, we just, it was just daunting. You're like, well, we can't. It's a ten-hour drive. No, I don't know anybody on that. And once you get there, it's like there's there's no turning back. You now you're on now you're on a month and a half long tour. Yeah. So, um, you know, we weren't about to try to pay for it all, or they were essentially teenagers, in a, in three cars traveling across yeah. the
0: state. So, um, with Arnie driving one of them, as I recall. Oh.
2: Darrie
3: <laughs> and I crashed
2: in
0: the
1: mess. I would love
2: to hear more about Arnie. About yeah. you,
0: you were in the truck when it rolled. Arnie and I. It was Arnie. just Arnie and I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe
2: well, tell us that story. Is that interesting? <laughs> yeah. We could tell that story.
1: <laughs> Should we say that Arnie is a a board member of the Phoenix? Arnie is a board. Arnie member is of the a Phoenix, board yeah. member of the Phoenix. Well, a close friend and uh, has, Arnie Gurky. Yeah. yeah.
3: We would caravan when we toured because uh, there were too many of us. Honestly, there was uh, maybe eleven it was of us in the band, band at the time. Yeah. Was, we were a big ska band, and we did our first trip through Las Vegas. I think we played with Hepcat in Phoenix. Oh, was our great. was our our goal? We had to go to Phoenix, play with Hepcat, and then just kind of beeline back to California.
0: Through Barstow.
3: Through, uh, (laughs) no, we went through straight on the 10 to, like, to L.A., but I don't remember because it was just Arnie and I. Everyone else decided to stop, or I think one of our cars went to, like, the Grand Canyon, which is a smart thing to do, or Sedona or something beautiful. beautiful. And I had shit to do, so I decided to go back to Petaluma (laughs) like a dumbass, and Arnie and I, on no sleep at all, started driving that night after the show. I was exhausted from playing. Yeah. I, tr- I tried to keep Arnie company as long as possible, but he assured me in his wise sixteen oh, years that yeah. I can take a nap, and he'll continue driving. And then uh, I awoke to just this really, like this bumpy, bumpy ride. And I kind <laughs> of Arnie had up And I look over, and Arnie is fast asleep. He's like he's coming out of a sleep, and we're going like hundred miles an hour, driving and sleeping. And we're off the highway. We're in the middle of the desert in Arizona. And before (laughs) I even know what's happening, I start saying, pump your brakes, pump your brakes, (laughs) trying to give some fatherly advice. And there's somehow just one tree in the desert, and we smash into it, smash head on into this thing and total his truck. We totaled it. It was filled with all our gear. So we had, you know, a ton of equipment in the back of this How did a quarter-ton truck. As you may know, you can total a car and still yeah. drive it. <laughs> yes, that's true. It was technically total. When you're totaled. a kid, you can do that. state says it was definitely total. But we got <laughs> oh, back from Quartzsite, Arizona. We huh? got, we got, got. It took us about three tires to get home, and we had wow. a cracked windshield, and the car was smashed, and it drove <laughs> oh, some awful. And it smoking. was comically broken. Oh. Unbelievable. <laughs> we were great. driving home on the highway, and just like, back and a 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 back. Oh, and we were laughing. God. You know, Arnie's laughing. He's like, <laughs> 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 he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Well, because, it is. Yeah, it was pretty much <laughs> the Funniest thing in the world, and I we both had these like mirrored neck burns from our seat belts on our and it was it was ridiculous. And we got back, and his car was destroyed, but he did get this amazing Autobot like s- janky sports car that looked like it was made out of plastic oh, sure right did. after that. That was a bonus that came out of that. No,
1: Josh, Josh Rick raised his hand. I, I was wondering, was this the tour that you had to like adopt? One of the members of your band <laughs> to take
3: out on tour. No, I was just telling that story at the K- KWTF meeting yeah. because Achilles,
1: uh, the Achilles. trombonist for Blind
3: Spot, and yeah. at the time he was in the—I uh, don't know—I think it was just Blind Spot. The guy's uh-huh. name is Achilles. His name yes. is Achilles. Oh yeah, Old, he's great, yeah, great, great trombonist. And he was a yeah. trombonist, okay? Yeah, yeah. Still absolutely. Still he still is. He can play trumpet too. So he would. He w- he's a great trombonist, and yes. we and Adam Thies was our trombonist at the time. Who's also oh, who's probably the best trombone trombonist around as well. But he Absolutely. was you know busy at those at those days. He was like twenty one and a, an accomplished jazz musician, so he wasn't about to leave San Francisco. And we wanted a trombonist, so we asked Achilles to go with us. And his mom wouldn't let him go, at sixteen, unless he had an official guardian. So I was r- researching, adopting. <laughs> A grown man. (laughs) This little hairy dude. (laughs) He was a grown man. I don't care if 16 or not. Achilles was hilarious. He was in high school, but he was definitely like a man. And And did did you do the paperwork? No, she didn't let him go after all. I was ready to have him do it, and I was ready to become Uh, a father. I thought you
1: actually did that. No, I I nearly did. I nearly did.
2: And it was through the heartbreak of that near adoption of him. That you decided, you know what, I don't know if I can do this again. And, you know, you haven't been able to jump into yeah. having kids yet. Fatherhood yeah. has eluded yeah. me ever <laughs> since. <laughs> you know, I, I've you have a traumatic experience <laughs> like that. You don't want to relive that again. Yeah, what true. if it goes <laughs> wrong? Achilles, you are my
3: own, one and only near son. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it, oh, yeah. Yeah. What it, a son he was. <laughs> it was. It, he was great. Yeah. And he's he's still very adorable. And yeah. he lived around yeah. the corner from me for a while. And
2: we, I, I did adopt his bunny. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, after so 20 you, years, you got something out of the deal. <laughs> yeah. um, so, disasters and creative pursuits are fun and exciting to talk about. That was a disaster. You guys crashed oh, in yeah. that car. We we totaled the car. We yeah. almost died. Yeah, good yeah. for you. I almost
3: killed a kid <laughs> at 16. Okay. His, and I, you know what? I went with his parents. We had dinner. I assured his parents I would take oh, great God. care of him. <laughs> would
0: he have been riding in the truck with you
3: at that point? That would have been It bad. was, no, no it, he was there with me. His yeah. parents took me out to, to check me out to make sure I was upstanding and I wasn't <laughs> going to get his son in any trouble. Sure. And instead, I destroyed his car, <laughs> nearly killed him. Oh, this was Arnie. <laughs> Arnie's parents. Yeah, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, not Achilles' parents. This is Arnie's parents. Oh my god! And his parents were serious people. <laughs>
0: yes, they are. Yes, they, they are, and <laughs> they were serious. Were and people. are yes. probably serious people. They, so though. they
2: weren't pleased with you. They probably. were fucking around, man. They yeah. took me
3: out so that <laughs> yeah. they could make sure I wasn't going to kill their son, and I nearly killed. Their and despite son. your best well, no, efforts, he,
0: he nearly survived.
1: Killed both of you. No, like, he was the one driving. It was you know uh, I, the
0: same thing happened. Weirdly enough, with me. Uh, There was a band called Crossfire when I was like 16 or 17 years old, and they wanted me to go out and be the roadie on this little tour in Sonoma County in Napa. And it was uh, Jeff Dornfeld who uh, ended up being the manager of Boston, the band Boston, for a while. He had to come over and meet my parents and assure them that I would be brought back alive. The difference is that, yes, uh, they did bring me back alive, and I didn't crash the the truck.
2: (laughs) Does anybody know the story of when Gabe Moline played? Was it in Mr. T Experience, and he came out nude? Does anybody know that no, show? No, it was Tilt. Oh, he Tilt. Was, he not was Tilt. playing with Tilt. Okay. I was, I was yes, at that was. that was that show. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys know the fallout from that? A lot of a lot of stuff with the police happened with that show. We. Uh, oh, you know, that's I'm, right.
0: I don't know about that. You Tom Gaffey, so... tell us a story. <laughs> right. Well, it was Tilt, and one of my favorite bands. They were great, and yeah, a uh, guy
2: we were talking about earlier, Gabe Maline, who is yep. the editor of the
0: Bohemian, the editor was in that of the band. Bohemian, uh, former and, and former editor of the Bo- Bohemian, and uh, and that's what I, which uh was such a thrill because Tilt had changed uh, bass players, and they brought uh, Gabe, a Sonoma County kid, to dr- uh, play with them. And they were always one of my favorite bands, and there was Gabe on tour with uh, Tilt, and I think you booked them through William Morris Agency. They were that that big, wow. and they were on a good tour, and uh, Gabe comes out and, and plays with them, and then for their encore, Gabe, being the guy that he was, came out naked, but he had the good sense to sling his bass low because he always played with his bass kind of low, which, by the way, when 15 did the naked thing, they all played with their guitars <laughs> quite high. But Gabe comes out and he does, this, he does the encore naked and son of a gun, if some mother doesn't go right to the police and complain. the very next day the police were in one of their detectives and uh, an officer in uniform and they wanted to know first and they were doing some interviews they interviewed some of my staff eventually I know they asked Big Mike well did you see him touch himself in any way well, no, he had his guitar on there. He was his touching was his guitar. <laughs> but uh, but they, they, wanted, they, they wanted all the information. We wanted to know who that bass player is. Well, he was the bass player for Tilt. Tilt's a touring band. I'm not sure who this bass player is. Well, uh, you know, how do we find out who this bass player is? Well, he was with William Morris Agency. You'd have to call William Morris. Well, we're going to.
2: Because it's important to know that they were really the police was breathing down Tom's neck. They were, they were, upset. They, had, they were, they were, they were, looking for blood. They were going to
0: really make an example they were out of this. Upset. So they, Tom's like, "Hey, look, I'm not the guy to talk I'm, to. You're going to want to go talk to the booking agent." This was it. Was the encore we had? I mean, I, I had no idea he was going to do that. It was a surprise to me, as much of a surprise to you, and I was shocked and dismayed. And um, <laughs> and it's 1969, and this is the Doors. Was, Come yeah, on, this is the relax, doors. dude. So yeah, I mean, but they were not going to relax. <laughs> they called down to William Morris, saying, "All right, we want." know who that was. Well, you know, we'll hook you up with our legal department, and the legal department comes on and says, hello? Yeah, we, we want to know who that bass yeah, player was. Yeah, we're the Petaluma Police. We want the, to know that information. We're the, we're the Petaluma Police. We want to know who that bass player was, and we'll, do you have a warrant? Well, we're the Petaluma Police. No, get a warrant and get back to us. <laughs> <laughs> and that was and, as far as it went, except and, and the for- the case <laughs> hit a well, dead end there. it got closed, but uh, they came right back to me and told me <laughs> that they were not happy with the way William Morris had handled that. And if anybody ever gets naked on my stage again, I'm probably going to jail. Which, by the way, uh, has now, since that time, every time a band comes on and asks, what can we do? The rule here is, at the end of the night, I want to go home and not to jail. So, do not get me arrested, please.
2: Let me tell you a story. Okay. Uh, April 26, 2008, I promoted Goldfinger here at the Phoenix. And uh, Goldfinger has a little Tradition that they do, I guess No, um, you
0: know what, this is the first time They'd done it here and it was the fourth time they'd played <laughs>
2: here Well, anyway uh, The tradition was that at the Towards the end of the show They uh, did a Frank Zappa takeoff The lead singer, I guess, uh, takes his pants down Just on the back, you know, a little ass Whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, puts a Twinkie Between the cheeks
0: <laughs> It was a ho-ho, it was a, a ho-ho. ho-ho I thought yeah. well, it was
2: we'll have 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 a Twinkie We'll have to review the tapes okay. but um, And 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 then has a fan. uh, I don't know. uh, Eat the Twinkie, bite the Twinkie (laughs) out of his butt cheeks, and and so that's that's people I know. That's 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 charming and quaint, and we can get into how uh, (laughs) the people that you know later, but. As it happens, right as the insertion—it's not—I don't even think you can call it insertion. You know, I, I think yeah. it would just be like right as the setting of the of right the, of, as the guy of, is sticking the, the Twinkie up his ass. Yeah. no, you can't. <laughs> you you can't, can't say up. up. You no, can't no, no, say no, up no. because the, say in though in, in right. As you're slightly in. Right as that's happening, I'm pointing to the back of the room, a police <laughs> officer, two police officers come in, because they always come in on the big shows, and they see, at that moment, the Twinkie or the Ho-Ho or whatever, uh, enter the man's butt cheeks. And then, I don't know what happened, but for some reason, what they saw was different than what everybody else saw. They saw the guy d- himself on stage. Oh my goodness. Whoa. And did they go to you, Tom, and say something about it? How they, did you hear about that? Uh, they came to me. Uh-huh. Uh, and they said, you got a guy
0: putting it- the very stage. next day, well, no, it seemed like the <laughs> night it happened, it no, seemed like they road. were laughing about it. Yeah. But the next day, yes, the, the again, a detective and a uniformed officer came in to, uh, to tell me that if that happens again, they are going to arrest me.
2: They said that to you again in 2008?
0: Yeah. That they're going to arrest you?
2: Yeah, well, you can't. Boy, I mean, you, you, you don't ever go to jail. Here's strategy. a question. Have you ever been in jail before, Tom? Well, once. Yeah. Did I make it actually into the jail? Yes. (laughs) Do you two know what that was for? No, that was... No, no idea. That was in 1973, for crying out (laughs) loud. Oh, can you share it or no?
0: You don't want to. Well, it was... (laughs) We were driving. We were... We were... uh, were (laughs) I had just turned 18. I was a senior in high school. It was... uh, We were still in high school. And we were pulling out of... uh, We were over on uh, Keller Street down here, pulling on to Western and turning left... And my friend, uh, who was in the back seat, who was actually my attorney if I ever need one, for whatever (laughs) reason, yelled, Hey, fuck you, old man. (laughs) At some old man.
3: (laughs) As you do. As you do.
0: (laughs) And he he did that in front of of all people, Sheriff (laughs) Streephek. Sheriff Streephek, that's a a sheriff. We called him the glove in those days, because he always had... (laughs) One black glove on. He was doing kind of a. Uh, he ended up being the main sheriff. I think we erected, elected oh, him to be oh, our. Shit,
2: it's the glove. It's the
0: glove. We were all petrified <laughs> of this guy. What kind of a parody of life is this? Nice. So a, glove a good one. One. We get pulled over. In the police report, it said I had pulled them over to tell them that type of behavior would not be accepted in this community. And as we're getting pulled over, this little baggie of pot comes flying over my shoulder. I'm in the passenger seat. Boom, and lands. Well, son of a gun. And and I, I mean I saw something fly over my shoulder, but I was kinda of worried about the sheriff. But I wasn't even that worried. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. So the uh, one of the officers comes over, it was an officer who knew me through my brother and he goes, Oh, Mr. Gaffey, son of a gun. What do you got a little baggie of pot there between your legs? I, go, Fuck, I do? <laughs> well, how about that? You want to step out? Well, that's fine, but it's not mine. That's fine. Right. You want to just step out here? Well, that's fine. And boom, before I know it, they're putting handcuffs on me because it was Labor Day weekend. There were no judges to set bail. Oh. And it was uh, not Raleigh Webb in those days. It was the other judge who was kind of family friends. So they called him over. Uh, he was having dinner at the Dado's house. And he <laughs> called him up and he set <laughs> bail. That's little of the details for me. And, and I got <laughs> to get out. <laughs> Honest to God. I wasn't all that nervous about it. It was a baggie of pot. It wasn't mine. I had no idea. I was in the car uh, but they had me, and and once I got free, they thought I was getting off scot free. So it really did upset the officers. And to this day, yeah, they sure. still want to get you back.
1: Yeah.
2: What I, I was going to say was, was don't ever about. get arrested before the end of your time, because I just feel like they they want it. They I'm want trying, it so no, bad and no. never
0: give it to them. Well, no, we're in a different different age in Petaluma now. I think we've got a better relationship with the police. I I think so too. You know, I, in fact, well, a couple of them I think were old I Ended up uh, by the time we were done here, several of my friends had grown up and and become police officers. You pedal so it's it's a different world now, and and uh, we're actually I'm hoping not to get arrested if I can pull that off, <laughs> locking I, on wood. But uh.
1: I feel like the Phoenix has done a lot of community outreach, and in particular when the antique fair is happening, there's you know traditionally now cupcakes here. Oh, for and the so, butter and eggs day, yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so people absolutely, you know, just just members of the community can come in, they can see the building, they can see yeah. it acting in kind of the way it is most of the time which is yeah. a teen center, because if people With don't know cupcakes. the Phoenix Theater I mean it's a rock venue on weekends but yeah. every day it's open for drop-in uh, yeah. uh, Activities. teens and tutoring music we've um, got music playing all day long health clinic here. on Thursdays yeah. from 3 yeah. to 5 uh, my the god the skate
0: ramps are back so we're
1: skating every day and, and biking and yeah it's it's really cool so I think that that's a really important aspect of this Art building everywhere. that people need to see because yeah. like when they drive by you know they, they see kids just like you know hanging around you know they, they, they vaping think that, they think that Everyone's just like you know you're smoking or doing whatever, but it's you know I think I think that you know the the Phoenix has been better in in recent years of, of getting the community to know what this place really is because yeah. like once people come in like they realize it's it's not what every old, old, I remember, like I talked to a, a, an elderly lady she's like oh there's a teen drinking room behind the Phoenix like this, these these <laughs> mystery rumors of things that don't yeah. exist and so I think it's really good to to get people in here and just see it like, you do know, too. like doing what it does every day
2: and it is a teen center and so I guess a question that I have for both of you is. How much do you think this building has, I don't know, shaped your creative path? I mean, you're you're an artist, obviously. You're a musician. Do you think you would have been a musician? And you, too. You're a musician, too, Josh. Mm-hmm. Other Josh. Do you think having a place to play as a teenager influenced you wanting to start a band, or do you think you would have anyway?
1: Well, um, I mean... Who, you go ahead. Well, I know... Like, I had started playing music, I mean... I think I always wanted to play drums. I remember I was, you know, you know, four years old and I had like a toy drum set. And there's so- somewhere there's a videotape of me still with my Oklahoma accent uh, getting interviewed, like by an uncle, and they like, said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "You know, a rock and roll star." It, it's just, <laughs> yes. uh, so-, so it was something I always wanted to do, and, and I was always drawn t- uh, towards the drum set. And eventually, like a friend, like became a guitar player, and he convinced. Me to get a drum set and we'd be at a band and we'd have it, we'd sound like Metallica because we were in a Metallica at the time. The first thing we did, like after, you know, we, we did what we, we thought we should do, which is like, you know, write a couple of songs, like record a demo on cassette tape. And we found out that there was a Battle of the Bands happening at the Phoenix. And so I called and I, I think it was you who picked up, Tom, and got on the Battle of the Bands, which Brazil won. And they play, played locally a bit and a bunch of other. You weren't in that, Josh? Dorsal played I've their 1st the Bands like, in my life. So, I mean, definitely, like, we wouldn't have had, I mean, the, the band wouldn't have stuck together, like, if we didn't have a place to play shows. And I know that, like, it was around that time that I'd bought the uh, Metallica live box set thing, which is called Binge and Purge. And I had, like, three videotapes, two cassette tapes, and a book, which had... Uh all of their like itinerary and and faxes from their their management company to the venues like all, all these neat things like if you have a chance to look through it is really cool the, the metallica book that comes out oh, yeah, their, oh, yeah. their live set but the, it shows their whole tour for the black album and it starts off at the phoenix theater oh, and yeah. i saw that and i lost my shit i couldn't <laughs> believe it they like you know they would played you know at the phoenix theater and so to be Able to play on the same stage, like and then that means something, and it means to something who's playing music because it, it is a way to like you know feel like you're you're on the right path and like you know you're you're learning things when you go to shows that are actually useful. I think that's one of the most valuable resources for people in local bands that you could come here. And you learn, like, when your load in time is. You learn how to do a sound check. You learn how to communicate with sound people. You, like, you know, get the idea of how to behave and, and, and just the, the kind of mechanics of being in a band, which, like, I mean, everyone can, like, sit in their room and learn how to play an instrument. But, like, the actual practice of being a working musician, like, you have to learn from people who are doing it or by, you know, doing it. And you can come to the Phoenix Theater and learn, like, how to actually be in a band. And it's something that, you know, you just you can't get from you know, just like watching videos of people mm-hmm. playing. So yeah, true. I don't think that I would have been able to be in as many bands or be in any band really. I don't, I don't think I would have you know, done any of this if, it, if the Phoenix wasn't here.
3: I think the same might go for me where the first band I played in that played a show was here at the Phoenix and we, it was the Morticians. That was joined, the Morticians I joined yeah. the Morticians. I was the youngest guy in the Morticians and I joined after a couple bass players had left. But for the very first Mortician show, I, I was recruited to make a, uh, flyer for it, which was huge yeah. because when I was growing up and the shows that were happening at the River Theater and the Phoenix Theater and the Cotati, Cabaret the Cotati were put Camberai. on by uh, Laurel Pine and Eccentrics, oh, Pine. and they had these really yeah. great posters. They were, they, were, they were offset printed. They were beautiful. They were really artistic. Always wonderful. Always poster. really cool posters, and I yeah. desperately wanted to make posters for bands. So I as it was in high school. I must have been a, a sophomore in high school, and I was bugging them to make posters, but they said, we got people making posters. You can pass out posters. So, I was just excited to get to get in free to th- these shows. then eventually, because of doing those things and seeing people do it, I realized that it it didn't take but a few people to really get it together and really to make it make it happen and The mystery was a little bit shattered at that point, but also like it, the world opened up like you could do you could do anything you know it's not concert promoters there's not big wigs putting on these shows it's, it's I totally young people identify with you and awesome people right putting on these shows and so I did the poster for the first Mortician show. I wasn't in town for it, but then eventually the Mortician's sole, like our, our whole goal for the f- three, four years I was in the band was because we had a Phoenix show once a year. And that was <laughs> what we would practice for. We played maybe two shows. We played a show in Bolinas. We played a show in San Francisco. But the, all the
0: time I was in the band
3: was because we had a single Phoenix show just about once a year,
0: once every eight months. But it was, And, and I, we were thrilled. The Phoenix was thrilled to have them because it was all really some of my favorite kids in town, too, that were in that band. Those are, yeah, some of my favorite people. Some yeah. people I really looked up to, too, yeah. like uh, Jason Webster Jason and Owen DeBuck yeah. and,
3: and, yeah. A, and a, a rotating cast of different drummers and yeah. bass players, too. And they were the only band around that was like that was what they were which is who knows so i don't even no know what they were. they were they were they were like gross. a goth band but they were kind of like yeah. pink floyd and i was al- i was always a really big fan yeah. as a teenager and,
0: uh, yeah and i think there was uh, a little bit of the Residents in there too i think you guys are really oh familiar. yeah
3: there was a lot of influences my whole first band's uh, life as a band, which was practicing a whole lot for only playing a, a couple shows, you know, four or five shows the whole time I was in the band. I don't think I would have been able to really be in a band if that wasn't, and this is at the time before there was place, ways to book shows that you didn't have to, you had to call clubs. If you weren't of age, you couldn't play a show that was, you know, 21 and up. So it was the only place we had to play. And if there wasn't that, I don't see why there would have been a reason to practice or be a band at all. You need to take those steps. You play a show, and then you have the songs dialed. Then you record the songs, and you play a show, and then you sell the tape, that kind of thing. And if there wasn't a place like the Phoenix, and not just a place like the Phoenix, because there's a lot of places that are kind of like the Phoenix, if there wasn't for this particular place in this particular town for me, I wouldn't have been in a band that did anything.
1: I probably would have been a much better illustrator, but I don't think I would have been <laughs> in a band's probably. Great But I think like we both have you know kind of told you know stories about how the phoenix let us be in bands but i think like it was something that's even more important than us just being musicians is the kind of people that you meet when you're involved in music and when you're doing shows yeah. and i remember <laughs> i mean and i think that that's like the really important thing in it being a more life-shaping uh, situation and the phoenix enabling the band has you know because the band experience is really what it's about is what it, yeah, and, and that absolutely i mean i can't imagine like what my life would be like if I hadn't been in bands and met the people and I know that there was one time where several years ago Josh and I realized that like you know wow man like like, like you know, some of the most like you know cool things that I'm I'm either doing right now or have done in this past year have have been with you and like you know cause, yeah. it, which I felt like we had like, you know, at least this one really good year where we were just like you know, a pretty good duo doing a lot of cool stuff like being in Power Friends which is like a, a joke band that we had like making music videos wait was that w- working together at, at the same day job going what to was pinball that shows video, was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah yeah that we'll, was a
0: great video <laughs> <laughs> thank but you.
1: It, you know and and just like, like how important it is to have like you in my life Chris Ryder in my life like, Chris like, Ryder. like Gabe Moline, all these people that I've met through music who have, you know, let me do the things that I do and the things I want to do. And, you know, all these people that I can call on, like when I have a crazy dream idea, like building a, a wrestling ring or putting on a show, like that all comes back from the people that I've met, from the experiences that I've had, which came from starting a band, which was enabled by the Phoenix. So like it really, it's, it, it set me on a course that has let me do all the things I could do. And I'm a pretty happy guy. Like I think, you know, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I get to be here on stage with, with Tom and Jim and Josh. And Far and that's out. all because of the opportunities that were, you know, opened up by having a place to nurture that aspect of my life. Yeah. Let me take back what I said when I said, there's a lot of places that are like the Phoenix.
3: There are a lot of theaters that are the size of the Phoenix. And I've been in, I've been fortunate enough to be able to play in many venues in all over the U S and, there's plenty of theaters this size, but almost all theaters this size that do what the Phoenix does, which is at the very base level, which is just have rock and roll shows on the weekends, are either like a clear channel place, they're filled with a bunch of assholes, they have a bar, so they have a million headaches to deal with, they've changed hands probably 20 times in the time they've been in, you know, if they're especially a landmark theater like this. There actually is no other place that I can think of that I've ever played since I was, I mean, I played a lot of places since when I was a teenager and now that I'm nearly 40, that are, oh, I'm 40. Never mind, I am 40. You actually are? I, I actually am 40. <laughs> um, that are like this because, Tom, you've been involved the entire time yeah, because yeah, yeah. it is so much more than just a theater. It, is, it does function as a teen center and still. Is an opera house you look
1: around this place and it is a gorgeous building well I mean that's giant the The big difference is is the accessibility to the community I mean I was a 16 year old kid living out on Skillman Lane who was able to call the Phoenix and on the first call get booked onto a show to come play with my crappy metal (laughs) band (laughs) You know, because we I mean, we were no damn good at the time, but like that, that's the major difference is that you, you, know, like you Metallica still had a pit can, in front of you though. It was it was a very thin pit, but like I mean, it qualifies. You, know, you it's know, still a, a pit? A, a band the size of Metallica <laughs> can play this venue, and then any kid in town can call up with his band and just on faith, Tom will put them on the same stage, and but, that makes all the difference. And that's
2: beautiful. Tom often yeah. says that why the building is so great because. People have done a lot of great things in this building, but it's because they have. Maybe this doesn't apply to you, but it's because they've been too stupid to know that they can't do it. (laughs) That applies to me, and then they do it. You know, and and it applies to me. I mean, I you know that story about your metal band at seventeen is very similar to me starting to book shows here at whatever twenty three or whatever. I had booked like a local show and I got a kick out of it and some things happened and Tom was like, yeah, you know, we we actually really do need more major shows. We're like in a tough spot financially and if anything you can do would be great and I, I remember when I put on the first Against Me show, and I was hanging the Flyers on the window, and I was like looking at the Against Me Show, and I also had the Silverstein Show, which is like a core band sure and and I had the first time I had three major shows, and David Allen Co was the other one, <laughs> and uh, so we don't need to go into that, but For I remember looking at it, and I remember looking <laughs> at the window and being like, "Holy shit like." We can have a real venue with real artists coming through. There's no, there's no reason in the world why we cannot do this. Yeah. I mean, you've always known that. But there's been periods where there's a lot of big shows and there's periods where there's not a big mm-hmm. show. And I was just like, this is an unbelievable thing that I can be a part of this thing. And I have been for the last seven years. And it, it has shaped my life immeasurably. And that's me coming in at 23. You guys came in at a much younger age. So well, it's-
3: once again, like I've been lucky enough to be involved in the Phoenix, even if it's just... I haven't played a show here in a while, but I have come to a lot of shows. And and I'm still active in the community in, in a number of ways. And Jim, you're the only person at, and the longest-running person besides Tom that's been doing any sort of good job at doing this. And you're doing a spectacular job of it. Yeah, getting the bands that's that you've true. been getting in here is... It, it's it's really keeping it a like a national landmark. Well, he's, he's the professional guy yeah. here. <laughs> oh, it's awesome, and it's and it's because you know because you had the wacky idea of, of putting on a local show, taking a stab at it. Imagine there was a couple not successful shows in your in your wake. Oh. There still are. Yeah. You know?
2: I mean, I still, that's the whole deal with it. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. Well, but it's you get better it's at it, the better accessibility? And that's the same with either or playing the shows
3: or booking the shows or anything that has to do with anything artistic. You're going to fail a few times and. Mm. You know, a lot of places that are, that are maybe the size of the Phoenix are first not going to let you in the door unless you are some sort of serious promoter with the cred. If you're a kid putting on a show, forget about it. You have the opportunity to try it and fail at it and
0: then try it again and succeed at it, where most places would just drop you like a bad habit if you blew it. That's what it's about. Uh, it's never. Luckily, uh, I've been able to run this thing on a shoestring. We, it's never needed to have a lot of money to make the show right. What makes the show right is what happens while the show is going on. Even if it's the best show I ever played, still to this day, I think, was at a bar called Malarkey's in Sacramento. Did you, did you ever get a chance to play that place? I don't think I did, no. What a dive. <laughs> <laughs> and there was only and, and the one. Pho- and the Phoenix is not a dive, by the way. No, the yeah. Phoenix I, is not I a take dive. great yeah. issue when people <laughs> yeah. say that. It's I think yeah. you have to be a bar to be a you dive. You have to be a yeah. bar yeah. to be yeah. a yeah. dive. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and this yeah. was a bar, and it was a dive, and there was one guy passed out at the bar. And this junkie lady that was uh, kind of swaying <laughs> down on the floor, and it was it was ch- uh, chomp hard, I think, in those days. Tom's old band chomp uh, hard, yeah. And and uh, it was the best show we ever played. We were smoking that <laughs> night. Oh my god! And the lady loved it. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Is oh, yeah. you got uh, if you if you have a great show and the energy is absolutely incredible and it's a magic night. We're never gonna make a lot of money at this place, so let's have a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's all that matters. One hundred
3: percent
2: of people in attendance have a great time.
0: It's yes. a great show. <laughs>
3: it's a great show. It doesn't matter if there's only two people in the audience and ten yeah. people
2: on stage, it's a great show. <laughs> that's, <laughs> another, that, that's another valuable lesson I've learned in doing this. One thing doesn't go right, well, you just say, okay, well, I don't care about that. As long as this one thing goes right, a show that has a high break-even, it's like, okay, well, the show's losing, you know, a thousand dollars, but at least it looks full. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really care how it does financially. It's, let's just make yeah. it look full as long as no spirits <laughs> are low. Well, there's smoking. only 15 people, as long as they're all happy. Yeah, <laughs> all happy. You true. need to trick your mind into yes. not oh, yeah. being too Oh, down. believe me. Yeah. I do that every nearly <laughs> in everything I've ever done. Yeah, no. And
3: that's what keeps me doing it. It's, it's no. just like maybe a, a mental defect in a lot of ways because you don't know when to quit. But maybe at the same time, it's, oh, it's, it's helpful. Yeah, <laughs> it's, other people it's think, music. oh, you're really successful at this.
2: I'm like, Really? I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's hilarious, though. You know, coming from an outsider because I've only met you and you actually. You know, in the last like five six years, I'm pointing at the two Joshes. Mm-hmm. Is I, I think people look at you guys from the outside and think those are two guys that are highly successful or doing whatever they want and have life exactly the way they want it. Now, whether or not you <laughs> two feel time. that way or not, no, I'm I'm serious. Especially you know because I, I I came into this world like in 1984, but I came into this <laughs> Phoenix world in 2006 2007, and I came into it. It was funny actually. Earlier, you guys mentioned about wanting to do a radio station. Uh, wanted to build up KWTF because you want to have a place where local bands get their music played alongside with real bands. And you know, or not, I shouldn't say real bands, but national <laughs> real national <laughs> bands. <laughs> sure, I yes. say real bands because that's how people in the uh, real world look yes, at it. Absolutely. How many times? Absolutely. How many times have you put out a record? Maybe the three of you or played a show, and people go, "Wow, that actually sounded like a real thing." Oh, sure. Um, That to me is so insulting, but I just, I'm in the mode of trying to communicate with those people. That's a question I ask myself every time I do anything. And I've talked to
3: Blair from Sound. This is a question we both struggle with. Does this sound like legitimate music? Is this legitimate? Does this sound like other things are supposed to sound? And you know
2: what? There's no drug quite like legitimacy. (laughs) It's true. Seriously, when you do something and and people are like, holy shit, that was great. There's nothing like that, really. Yeah. It's like, that's a,
3: product of repetition and a product of experience and a product of, of authenticity lending something your your own original voice has so much merit as opposed to just copying something else like you can tell if something sounds original you don't have to like it you can say it's original that's legitimate because no one else is doing what they're doing whether or not it is I haven't heard anything like it you know it's that kind of thing I believe if you're doing something in your own voice even if it's a crap recording even if it's a if it's a performance that's you know heartfelt and it's Original. That's more important than sounding like another band or sounding polished or sounding legitimate just on, you know, math. You know, I think it's more important to be original. But it is important to have that. To have equated with something that is professional <laughs>
2: well I mean I'm, I think I can I just my thought yeah. what, all I was saying is what brought me into this world was friends and family had bands and so I came into it because it's always exciting when everyone's in bands and there's a scene and all that and what got me to book shows in the first place was not because I had an interest in bringing big shows to town or because I had any relationship with the Phoenix it's because I wanted to give the rub to those friends of mine who had bands because like okay if you can open for a cool band this could be cool for everybody you know I mean how much fun is that? Like, it's a little bit different for like uh, Josh, I'm pointing at Josh Stables, uh, his band, New Trust, played on a cursive show that I did. I mean, you guys have, oh, yeah. you guys have had plenty of legitimacy on your oh, own, gosh, you know, without my, without my
0: help. But hey, um, Did you bring his Portugal the man here? No,
2: that was me. Time. That wasn't. Um, me. But, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but when I it was say, somebody at but, the table, but here. the same, <laughs> but the same idea, anytime that a local band can play on a nationally touring band here, to me, that is the coolest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, exposure, exposure, Absolutely, exposure. Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt, but that that's what no, we, I to do. You guys doing your radio show really hit a chord with me uh, with why I started booking shows in the first place because it was to give the rub to people. Now it's sort of evolved to a point where I care about the building so much that uh, I, I care less about that. Not not that I wouldn't love to have every show have an opening band that's local, sure. but my interest is you know bringing big shows that, so we can keep this thing going. Well, so yeah. to have a platform where you feel like what you're doing is important and is going to be seen by people and then to be able to mess up but keep going, um, that helps people develop. And it's It's not as if it was
3: some sort of city-funded, mandated teen center that is no. with, you know, these rigid, older counselors who are chaperoning your behavior. This is, I mean, there are people here who are not going to make sure no one gets hurt. If, you right. know, and it's, but it's mostly up to people's right. like good sense. It is or not good sense. Or not good sense, yeah. <laughs> people might get hurt, and people might hurt themselves skateboarding. We sure. might do stupid, mm-hmm. might misbehave and act a fool and get taken to jail. <laughs> who knows? Anything <laughs> can happen. Anything it's a place kids are going to come because it is uh it's not a stuffy you know kind of clinical environment it is an amazing building a cool place it's with with a, with a huge history and uh, an undeniable history and yeah. that that is still here and that is still going is and it's, God, it's, you know, unheard it's of. one of the things that anchors <laughs> you,
0: number one, is being a Petaluma kid or a Petaluman, but Absolutely. also as being a, a member of Northern California, because we get kids from so we get people from Sonoma County. We get kids, uh, people and kids and adults from Marin County. We get people from all over the place. So We want to serve as much as you can. But growing up in this town, I sure appreciate it when a, a, a good number of kids do remember good things about my best friend, which is the Phoenix. Yeah. And uh, because it is, it's the building itself is still for me number one in this project. Weirdly enough, you maybe wouldn't think that when people would come in and look at this, and go, "Are you kidding me? Have you smelled it recently?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, does it smell? I <laughs> like the smell, smell it, especially the at, at night. <laughs> like right now, it's got this smell to it that I just okay.
1: I'll always remember. It's no, have got a smell to it, but and it, it gets a such smell. a different smell. Like when there's when there's a really you know packed show in here, yes. and you start getting the humidity and the yes. heat. There's that particular smell from those shows, which yes. is, a cool, it's much different than it is right now.
3: It's a smell that's awakened. Yeah. It's always here, but well, it just gets, it has to get hot I, enough. I, I, I have such out.
1: great memories of being at, like, some of the bigger shows, like, either at the... Uh, when the Walls Are Sweating. Slayer. When the Walls or Are or Sweating, or absolutely. Slayer. Or, or Guar. Yeah. And, and, or even, like, that uh, that Sublime show, yeah. which Sublime, was, I think, the, the yeah. last Sublime show, and just yeah. having like reach your head up over like the crowd and just try to get like one breath one of breath- fresh air because like you're just, you're just crushing people like you think there was none to be had. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you, you kind of like just shimmy up because everyone's pressed up against each other so you can actually like, kind of grow you know six inches taller just by you know kind of pressing up against other people and just trying to get some of that clean air
3: the best shows i've ever seen i've been to have been here the best shows i've ever played have been here and growing up in petaluma I feel very fortunate to have grown up in Petaluma because of this place, and it's not really because of anything else. I mean, there's a certain... I mean, you guys are from Petaluma. Oh, yes. I've been outside. I've been living in Santa Rosa for 15 years, and I hear certain stories about Petaluma. I'm like, oh, that sounds like Petaluma to me. <laughs> that sounds like something that happens in Petaluma. Yes. That's, that's is, the kind of behavior is that, that, not what you <laughs> that Petaluma takes happens. <laughs> oh, 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 and I yeah. can relate, and I love it. And I love that there's a certain craziness about Petaluma and uh, about the youth of Petaluma <laughs> is, that is it isn't, I mean, I don't <laughs> think it's anywhere else. This is kind of, it's kind of country. It's kind of trashy. Mm-hmm. It's, all, yeah. it's really funny. It's kind of punk. There's something about... It's a a Pink Floyd
0: line, actually. Is there something eluding you, sunshine? Is this not what you expected to see? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: are are you doing the wall here? We are. I I heard. My 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 neighbor (coughs) uh, bass player was telling me about it. Oh, Pete Rochelle? Yeah. Oh, gosh. You're right. This chair. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I am
0: fortunate to get to play with that. Josh is one of the greatest bass players to come out of Petaluma, and Thank Pete, Pete. Josh, Josh Staples, Staples not Josh right here. Yeah. Oh, Looking yeah. right <laughs> at you. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Wait, but, hold on and, a second. We're talking. And I've about... gotten to play with Josh Staples a couple times, which oh, yeah. is always good. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. So we're
2: talking about fun. people's projects and full itineraries of creative works. Tom Gaffey with his old band and friends. Yeah, us with, the uh, buzz. with us
0: the buzz, which was uh, Pete Rochelle and, and Lance Brown and myself, and we used to have Jackson Allen was our drummer originally. Well, yeah. Boy, Jack, what a drummer he was. But you want to
2: talk about he, keeping a full creatively. He's a guitar player now. Creatively.
0: A, so Lance Brown, the guitar player for that band, decided he wanted to do The Wall. Weirdly enough, The Wall has always been a life changer for me. I, uh, have, I've, I've seen Roger Waters do it, and I saw it with you, Jim, actually. You uh, you took me to see The Wall yeah. last time through, and it was, it was a life changer for me, and the rehearsals are going well. And really, I mean, uh, all i got to do is sing Roger Waters, and Roger Waters has never stretched his voice that much. He's got a, a very easy timber and a very easy uh, range. And he has so shot for me, a lot. yeah. Yeah, we're and we're gonna do. Uh, we are gonna do the wall here and a couple other places. Then we get oh a couple other places. <clears throat> I think Lance's. Oh, yeah, I didn't got, know about this. Wow. I, mean, I didn't know about that either. I think Lance's got it so that he intends that we're gonna actually take this <laughs> to a couple other locations. We'll see if he pulls off the bookings or not. I mean, he did mention <laughs> the, the glorious town of Nevada City. I think. Oh or, my goodness. Or was it Grass? <laughs> Be a road trip that'll be amazing. Yeah. Well, that's that's good, and that's that's just another you know,
2: example yeah. of Lance coming to you with. I remember when Lance came yeah. to you with that, and it it was just it was like what what is yeah. this? You're gonna play the wall all the way through, but you, you were like, okay, let's let's explore it. And now that you've explored it, you were yeah. really impressed by the production, yeah, aren't you?
0: That's the other thing. I really had listened to the wall so many times, but I'd never had a chance to study his words. There are some tunes in this piece that are just, oh my. God. God, is there's some really powerful stuff. I'm, there. A, I'm a huge fan. I saw yeah. I saw
3: Roger Waters do the wall in, in Oakland. I don't know if that was one yeah. you guys saw. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, and I thought it was it was great. It was it all was, I could have expected. Yeah, really like, moving. So much more it was great. Really I moving.
2: So that's that's a, a,
0: a crazy but really cool project yeah, you have coming I, up. I wanted to mention also once when, when we started this thing, Marcus Chapman from Tribal Existence Lighting, who came to us in the rave days. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kid was was a kid doing raves here. Built this this uh, his light company up. Uh, Tribal Existence, they're incredible. He He's going to bring he was out on the road during that tour on that tour. Uh, really? He was part of it. Oh, wow. And uh, so he's bringing his programs and some of his lights to actually... So he's uh, got it all set up. Oh, that's yeah, going to be so, so damn set. cool. It's going to be incredible in here. We're going <laughs> well, to do The Wall. So that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Okay, so that's a cool project I don't know you how we're going to fit up. it all into Grass Valley or Nevada City, whichever one it was. I don't either. <laughs> Which, by the way, Nevada City was the first place I ever experienced Nazis, actually. In a, I think it was a chomp <laughs> hard show. What? <laughs> it was years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. How did we... We get here. <laughs> I, know, I think we were talking about that guy that we won't be talking every, about. Every, you know, every
2: time I do this, I always think if you like tangents, you'll love this show. <laughs> oh, well,
1: right. You know, and
0: I'm sorry I mentioned that, and I think about it because it's not. I'm not saying Nevada City has got a bunch of Nazis in it. It just happened that particular. I think night. that's what you're saying, Tom. I, I think it was a seven well, we'll, we'll show.
2: We'll have, the, we'll have the city council of Nevada City on sometime, and we can oh really cash this yeah. thing I out. apologize at that point. <laughs> So that's an exciting thing you've got coming up. What are you guys having in the pipeline in the next year? Any exciting programs or things or well, projects?
3: Josh and I are busy at work getting KWTF, yeah. a, a studio built in Santa Rosa, and it on the air. So there's that. If you are interested, anyone who's listening, if they're interested in checking it out, kwtf.net is how you can do that. And, um, and, of course, just any interest is appreciated. So yeah, check I mean, that
1: the, out. the really important thing is, and we're very, very close, uh, uh, we can't make any official statements about anything yet, but we, like, we really think that we're close to securing uh, land for a transmitter site, which would, you know, be bringing KWTF, like, on the airwaves into, like, the heart of Sonoma County, and then we can start being this resource that we've promised people. Like, a lot of people have, you know, donated, like, on speculation, on, you know, th- this being, you know... a project that people believe in but it hasn't quite fulfilled all the things that it needs to to be you know a valuable resource that you know to do what we've said that we'll do which is take local music and elevate it and then also just you know give a voice you know uh, that isn't represented in the community uh you know space on the airwaves and and josh and i our particular interest in the project is you know punk and underground music but there's also, you know, politics, women's issues, LGBT issues, black issues. Like, you know, it's, it's a really cool station representing a lot of different uh, hugely, uh, aspects of the community.
3: Yeah, an amazing, diverse
0: board full of really enthusiastic, great people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. it's going
1: to be an incredible
0: resource to have. I think yeah. if, if you guys can find your way to w, uh, uh, KWTF, <laughs> the only way I can remember it is by telling myself the words that I think it stands for. <laughs> exactly. I, Which yeah. is
3: amazing that we secured... The Call which is, is yes K- K- well, w- that's that fun. Is, that is incredible that you secured those call letters. Oh, it's fun. incredible. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> what the fuck? I
2: mean, yeah. and, the and
0: then do you have the what domain the kwtf? kwtf.net. K-W-TF. 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 Yeah. That's I mean, most well. times than not if you can if you can find your way to the station and log on, I I think you'll come away with usually a, a fairly valuable experience. Yeah, they don't so this this kwtf is a project you're putting a lot of your energy
2: into, a lot of your time
1: into. Yeah. And in particular putting a you know, a proper recording studio in downtown Santa Rosa, that will be able to have people like producing local content pre-recorded and producing local content to go directly onto the air which I mean, that's going to be yeah what, humongous. We,
3: what we've come away with when we were at krcb for uh, nearly four years having a studio that you could come in do a show the t- it's in real time the time you're airing it is the time you're doing it i mean you guys know doing a show like this you have to go back and edit it once you start getting into that rabbit hole and you start tweaking out on your own voice and what you're going to cut. You know, a, a two-hour show takes four or five hours to edit. If, and everyone that's making a radio show is going to get tired of that. You know, it's, it's, it's tricky. So if you have a place to come in and do a show, that means more people are going to come in and do the show. We yeah. want to make it a legitimate station. And the legitimacy of a studio, like we mentioned, le- legitimacy is what's going to make it important. The legitimacy of being able to turn your dial anywhere in Sonoma County and hit some kind of original programming that is something like you'll never find anywhere else on any other station, all the people that have been supporting and hearing about KWTF, just being able to turn your dial in Santa Rosa or in Petaluma or in Runner Park or in Sebastopol and hear it is what we're going for. Mm. Th- those, that's our top goal, to be able to have a studio to broadcast from and to have the airwaves in Sonoma County permeated and ready to go if
0: anyone chooses to go there. Right now, they can't. No, and that's Bodega. anywhere in Sonoma County. I think we had—this uh, has got to be one of the worst counties for radio reception. Anyway, you really—we never could have— Petaluma, had for sure. From... Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, got, it's got
2: hills of... bordering, you know, all yeah. around it, so it's, it's, a, it's, tr- it's a valley that's tricky. Let's say, in a best-case scenario, what, when do we think—could that happen this year? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 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 Yeah. It is
3: happening yeah. this year. It hopefully it's wow. just no which
2: month. It's might, hopefully by summertime we'll have it up and going. Okay, excellent. So that's an excellent project. I think that's yeah. really cool. And per- I'm
3: personally, I've, I'm, I've taken the the winter off from music. I, the both the bands I've, I, I am in are are just kind of riding and hibernating a little bit from a no kidding for a KWTF. Free, well, not for KWTF. It just happens to be fall at the at a pro- appropriate time. Not when I. I mean, I, I'm very enthusiastic about getting KWTF. Up and running, while all the people that have been there for the last year—it's been broadcasting—are are feeling a little burnout. Hopefully, I can <laughs> kind of help jumpstart it a tiny bit and get and get the the legitimacy part. I'm not taking credit for doing any of it or all of it myself by any means, but being like, let's do this quick before we all get burned out. Yeah, is but what you I'm know, a, 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 you <laughs> know, every <laughs>
2: capable, energetic person that, that lends their hand helps a project yeah, and like I feel this. like, a, that's you feel you have a role this, to lend. This, this to time that right
3: now is is great for me. Hopefully, it it is it it will help get. Uh, get it together, because it's it's. Uh, I feel like it's very important. Like, like I said before, I have a great relationship with radio. I owe a lot to it, the format. And anyone that cares about radio needs to be able to turn their dial and hear it. That's, yeah. that's the point of it. It's not because they want to go on their computer and sit in, in one place. The important thing about radio is you can listen to it anywhere.
0: Yeah, and especially over the air, uh, which is a dying thing. And when you look at all of the cable channels and all the cable conglomerates now becoming one, Uh, You guys, I think what we've got on the air is going to be one of the last bastions of of the free free speech uh, left in this country. I I believe that's true. I totally
2: believe that to be true. So other than KWTF, anything else in the next year that's exciting?
1: Uh, I'm hoping to be putting on a video game tournament at the Phoenix Theater oh, in yeah. the coming year. Absolutely, very exciting. <laughs> you should call
0: that guy Tom and tell him. Yeah, you know, yeah, I <laughs>
1: I, I, I've been hosting uh, weekly or, or monthly video game tournaments uh, in Petaluma, playing mostly uh, fighting games, Street Fighter and Super Smash Brothers. And I was hoping to get the Phoenix Theater to open its doors to a larger uh, public Absolutely. event to get a bunch of uh, Xbox 360s and uh, GameCubes into the building. I've, I've been focusing a lot on uh, on Street Fighter. And, and that's what I plan to do for the rest that's of the year. That's what
2: dig about the three of you, really. <laughs> like, wanting to build community. Yeah. I think that's way cool. Even if it's like, you know, you're a musician and you're not even looking to build a community, in doing things like booking shows, making music, connecting with people, you're building a community. Yeah. And in all these things we're talking about, you know, the Phoenix, the radio show, the booking of shows, the video game tournament, everything, it's building well, community. There's, there's nothing better
3: business. than stoked people. Yeah, stoked if people. People. yeah. You can do, If you can help yes. to, to make that happen... And and get other people stoked, whether it's they're like, they get stoked about your thing and they realize, oh, okay, if your interests shift to something else, you can take that enthusiasm and those stick to itiveness, whatever it is that makes people. Follow through. It's like a follow yeah, through yeah. thing. It, I mean, everyone's got great ideas. Everyone does, but whether they take them to fruition or not is another story. A lot of great ideas go, you know, unfinished, and a lot of shit ideas go uh-huh. are completely executed. Yes. So it's yeah. uh, you can see that on TV. But it's time. rather it's, I'd rather a shit idea go executed than a, you absolutely. Know, a great idea yeah. You know
2: what I mean? A great <laughs> idea unexecuted is useless. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You know, and um, and the more you practice on those shit ideas, the more you'll get hopefully get better <laughs> yeah. and produce good ideas. And you know, s- just stoked people is
3: addictive and once you can stoke people out
1: (laughs) you can never get tired of it it's one of the the things that has really helped uh, Josh and I do a lot of cool projects together is that we tend to feed on each other's excitement and so like we're dangerous like whenever I'm excited about something like, like Josh is like the first guy I'll call because I'm like oh you know he, if I can get him excited about this idea, he's got all these talents, and, like he can make it like a whole lot better. And then it's, it's a way that, like, whenever we would do records, like we knew that if we got on the phone and talked about the record, the cost of the record would go up a thousand dollars. There goes another thousand dollars. Like, oh, well, what if we did it gatefold? Oh, what if we did it with this crazy printing? What if we put it in this, this cool sleeve? Yeah. What, well, if, we print take, in what if we printed inner sleeves? Come on, take a, yeah, what if we
3: take a single album <laughs> Break it up over four seven inches. S- invent packaging. <gasps> put metallic ink on it while we're at it. <laughs> and, uh, and and and. Oh, and what brutal. what project was this for? Uh, this is a new trust second album.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Darkest is the path. These two guys right here embody the very. Principle that is stoked stoke intuitiveness.
3: <laughs> stoke intuitiveness. <laughs> that is a, a new phrase. That's the new here best word by Tom Gaffey. Stoke intuitiveness. It, it's
2: it's how I try to live. It's really. how we will. As it really is. It's our promotions company. <laughs> That's, that's LLC. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I mean, I don't know how else you end, but on that, I mean, you that's guys, it. you guys got a, a, a slate of things coming up. But stoke tuitiveness. Yeah. thats what you embody. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's what you embody too, Tom Absolutely. Gaffey. Um, yeah. all, all, all
3: of us here. This, we yeah, have,
2: that that was, that's what commerce. we aspire to embody. How about Before that?
3: Before stoke my my favorite was not giving a fuckness, but I'm replacing
2: <laughs> that now with stoke Tuitiveness. Why? Well, I think that's a more positive thing. Not giving a fuckness is very 90s. <laughs> <It's> stoke tuitiveness feels <laughs> very current. The not giving a fuckness. Yeah. <laughs> there you have uh, well i i uh, have had a really good time tonight this has been <laughs> awesome thanks for having yeah, us absolutely. on the show jim yeah, and tom it's,
1: fun. it's always a guest thanks for having yeah. us. i mean oh, yeah, to the honor. three
2: of you i say was, you know absolutely let's let's uh, to the four of us let's let's keep doing cool things yeah. whether in this building or outside this building Absolutely, it, yeah. it makes our lives better and it makes the community better and it's just fun you know So I appreciate all the stuff you guys have done over the last 10, 15 years and that I've witnessed from afar and now up close. It's really cool, and it's cool to get to know
0: you guys. I appreciate you coming on the show. I really do. And if anybody out there should happen to see Josh Staples in the near future, I say reach on down and and give Murray a good pat on the head, too.
3: (laughs) Yes, he will most likely be with (laughs) me. That's what I'm talking about. Look at him.